1: As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses
2: Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverseimpact.
1: The following podcast is a Dear Media production.
0: Hi, I'm Sif Heider, the founder of Array. I'm a wellness entrepreneur and digital creator, and this is my show, The Dream Bigger Podcast. Listen, I love dreaming big, but you know what I love more? Actually having the resources to make those big dreams happen. And hey, dreams can sometimes be private jets, but other times they can look a little something like having the best skin of your damn life, or starting a successful business, or delving into spirituality. So on this podcast, I chat with experts and thought leaders from different fields about their tips and tricks on doing exactly that. So let's get right into it. Hey guys, welcome back to the Dream Bigger podcast. I am so fucking excited about this week's episode because who the hell knew that I would have a chance to talk to Tata Harper, who has been one of my idols and whose skincare line I have loved for years. So if you don't know Tata Harper, she founded her eponymous skincare line, which has really led the way around clean and functional skincare. I think that she was one of the first skincare founders who kind of changed clean beauty from granola to really high standard luxury and i'm obsessed with her products i started using one of her products i want to say like 5 or 6 years ago and i've i've always had one of her products or the other in my skincare rotation and i've been so impressed with every single one so today's episode you know i chat with her about how she started the brand clean beauty, what it means, how Tatcha Harper sets the the brand apart from others that are out there, all that good stuff. I think you guys will learn so much about clean beauty. I think it's a really, really fascinating conversation and I'm excited to get into it. Before we do though, let's discuss this week's hot tip, which actually happens to be a Tatcha Harper skincare product. So I started using her super kind cleanser about a month and a half ago. And I really, really love it. It is so gentle and so nourishing. I feel like it takes everything off without stripping my skin. And especially while my face has been healing, I've found it really, really therapeutic to do that first step. It just kind of glides on my skin. It feels like a spa in my bathroom. I can't explain it, but I'm so impressed. So I hope you guys give it a go. Um, It's also created for Sensitive Skin. I asked her all about the super kind line during today's interview. So you'll learn all about it. I'm really excited to dive in. Okay, let's get into it. I won't keep it from you guys any longer. She's awesome. And I hope you love her as much as I did. You grew
2: up in Barranquilla. Was skincare a big part of your life? Like, How did skincare even become a topic of interest to you? (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm a Latin woman. I grew up in Barranquilla, Colombia, which is uh, a small town in the coast of Colombia. And it's, it's the epitome of Latin culture, you know, like vibrant, it's warm, sunny, loud music year round, you know, like that type of thing. Yeah. And um and beauty is a big part of women's lives in America. Not only skincare but like makeup, hair, like perfume, like you name it. So yeah, so I um I'm one of 35 cousins. Most of them are women and we all love the beauty, especially my mom, my grandmother. So my grandmother was kind of like the one that started like everything for me because I was very close to her. I was her favorite granddaughter and she would love to host, she loved to host like beauty parties, like spa parties in her house every weekend. Mm-hmm. So, um, I would always like, and and it was a lot of DIY and I would go to the supermarket with her like the day before and, and to little, like little apothecaries and we would go and buy like, Oils, essential oils, honey, oat, avocados—like you name it, like so many ingredients. And uh, and I was and I would wake up with her like at six a.m. in the morning, and we would create like this we would be like smashing avocados, mixing honey and sugar, creating like oatmeal pastes for masks. Like, you know, it was really about like making beauty and this process of being immersed in beauty that I really loved. And then everybody would arrive and they would try all the products that we had just, you know, the the concoctions that we had just made. And then you see the transformation in people's faces, right? Like they not only like, feel great because they're massaging all these things, but the skin looks great. And that's really how it all began. I, I I loved her so much. And she really infused this idea on us that beauty was not a chore, that it's really like a fun, relaxing moment uh, that you do to pamper yourself. And and I was kind of addicted to it. And that's how uh, that's how I got into it. And then as I got older, you know, the beauty addiction just becomes stronger, right? Like now I started Buying products like I, I always since I can remember, I always had like a beauty closet and and uh and then when she passed, a lot of those bar parties turned into trips to beauty stores in Colombia to get the products with uh with family members and with my aunts and cousins
2: so it's always been basically like a big part of your identity and how you how you grew up, which is so cool. So, you know, you were, you were into beauty and I remember like we were just talking about this before we started the podcast, but I remember actually coming to your event in Toronto a few years ago. And I remember you saying that you got into clean beauty when your stepdad was diagnosed with cancer. So when this happened, what did you start to learn and unlearn about beauty? And like, what was the transition from go- going from like a beauty fanatic to like someone who was really into clean beauty?
1: <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it all started with my uh with my stepfather when he got cancer. It, it was really sad and it was the first time that we had cancer in the family and and I ended up uh going with him to a lot of doctors and clinics. I was living in Miami at the time uh, and he got treated here in the US. So, through accompanying him to all those consultations, I just Realize the importance of lifestyle and blow your lifestyle choices and how they affect in a big way your health and your well-being. I remember hearing doctors talk about like the toxic load, like you know, like that that we really, you really need to help him change the products that he uses every day. Mm -hmm. Because the things that happen every day in your life are the things that matter the most, right? Like that's how you accumulate a lot of toxins in the body. And I had never really heard about this idea of like the toxic load. And I had always been a health enthusiast in -hmm. many ways, eating well, like exercising, but I had never really connected the dots between, you know, what I'm putting on my skin, the chemicals I'm getting in touch with and my health. So, it was a really big moment for me, like realizing how much all of this was connected. So, I started changing my lifestyle. And that was one of the things that I started learning is, you know, just how, you know, the connection that exists between my daily practices and what I decide to do with, uh, with my health and my well being. Hi, I'm Karen Adderson. And I'm Vanessa Kroll-Bennett. We're the co-hosts of the Puberty Podcast. Each week, we dive into the what and how of raising kids through puberty,
0: that roller coaster of physical and emotional shifts for kids and parents alike.
1: Combining reliable science and relatable parenting strategies, we will all learn about, laugh about, and yes, maybe even cry
2: about adolescence, ours and theirs.
1: You know, I don't remember exactly when was the time that I'm like, oh my God, I need to create a skincare mm-hmm. line. Uh, I just remember being able to change a lot of things. My food, my cleaning products, my dry cleaning, uh, not using perfumes because they were full of phthalates. And skincare was really like the last frontier for me. Like I didn't know how to change like this really high tech Swiss skincare line that I had been using for many years I remember going to stores and, you know, finding natural beauty products in a lot of the beauty stores and department stores where I used to buy my products, they had products that had botanicals in it. Like they showed me products with algaes, with roses, with honey, Mm -hmm. you, you name it. Right. But then I turn around the box and I see, saw all of those like unpronounceable synthetic chemicals. So Mm -hmm. in those type of environments, you would find a lot of like botanicals, but mixed with tons of synthetics, the same synthetics over and over again. And then when I would go to natural beauty stores, I would find, yes, things that were 100% natural or mostly natural, but they were so simple. The experience wasn't there. I wasn't getting the results. And it was really, really, uh, really, you know, it's like you had to go on... Both ends of the spectrum, right? It's Mm -hmm. like you go like super high tech, and then you need to compromise on having synthetic chemicals and a lot of synthetic chemicals that once you Google them, I remember just being horrified. I'm like, oh my god, this is petroleum, or Mm -hmm. what is this propylene glycol? Wow, this is antifreeze. Like, you know, ingredients that belong in my car. Like, Mm -hmm. why is this like in my eye cream? (laughs) You know, like in my serum that it's supposed to make my skincare better. And yeah, and that's how, that's how kind of like I got motivated to start this because there was, you know, there was nothing that really delivered results and that I loved using that was a hundred percent natural. So I, I learned a lot through the process, not only about like, you know, all of this nasty, controversial chemicals, but I've also learned that there was a lot of clean washing, green washing. I mean, back then there was no clean, nothing. It was all about mm-hmm. being and so on. But then once I started deciding to create my company, I learned that a lot of the beauty industry, it functions a little bit like private label,
2: mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm.
1: So, yeah. But it was a beauty consumer that, you know, and I bought this like really expensive uh, Swiss skincare. I thought that these products were coming from Switzerland, that they were made with Swiss ingredients, right? Like you have all these fantasies. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then you're on the other side of the of the table and you pull the curtain, you're like, oh no, this is actually products are developed through labs that make many brands, you know, hundreds of brands. And that typically the development of a product begins with a base. That is it's shared by many brands, but then they change like one or two or four ingredients. And then it's a brand new product, which I thought like that was like so disappointing that, that the products were not unique. I was like, oh my God, like I thought that this was like a really unique product. I never thought that it was just about a new color and a new fragrance and a new form of vitamin C or Jinksen or whatever. And I also learned that a lot of the buzzy ingredients that we still love today. And and I like them and I I use them and I have nothing against them. Like I love vitamin C and I love hyaluronic acid and I love Mm -hmm. a lot of those types of ingredients, but a lot of those ingredients are technologies that are old. They're technologies from the eighties and there's a lot of new ingredients today beyond the vitamin C and hyaluronic and retinol. There's a lot of new green technology, that it's available to treat the skin at multiple levels. Because also I, what I realized by speaking to a lot of skin biologists is that the skin is a complex organ and that there's no one ingredient that can really tackle everything that your skin needs. And that a lot of the products that were single, that are single active, they just, you know, it's a limited amount of things that they can do. So I decided that I wanted to create formulas with a lot of ingredients that really create like a complementary effect on the skin because they, they complement one another and they work really synergistically with one another to, uh, to be able to give you benefits and many, many different layers. So, um, so that's another thing that I kind of like learned and I... Also learned that when it came to the production of your products and the production of the line, which is also another thing that gets outsourced to another group of businesses that are contract manufacturers, that's where a lot of brands are made through this third party contractors or Mm -hmm. subcontractors and that rarely brands actually make their products, which I found that it was like really interesting because... I never expect that either as a consumer, never in my life that I thought that in one facility, they would be making a hundred different brands, you know, and that the brands didn't make their products because, you know, I'm an engineer. I was prepared to do it all mm-hmm. the, formation, the making of the products. And I also felt that my clients, it's like one of the most important things that they expect from me is that the products are unique and that the formulations are unique and that they're ground up formulations. You write that they're made from scratch and that also that I make their products so that I stand behind the quality, the freshness of the line. So that's why thinking about a lot of those fantasies that I had as a client inspired how I operate and how I built at the Harper and all of the fundamental values and activities that actually we're in charge of. We're a brand that doesn't outsource anything. I mean, we bring ingredients from all over the world, but beyond that, everything is made by us.
2: Yeah and I find that really really fascinating because like it is like one of the I guess very unique parts of the Tata Harper brand that you know you have this farm and it's like you know it really is like a whole a to z kind of process so you have this idea Tata as you know an engineer and as like a client of clean skincare in general like what was the process of even starting this clean beauty line that you had fantasized about? Because I can't imagine it being an easy process. And then did you kind of acquire this farm in Vermont the minute you thought of this idea? Like walk me through this whole process.
1: <laughs> no, no, no. I already had the farm. We have, I've had the farm now, I don't know, for 20 years um, and the brand is 10 years old. Definitely the hardest part of creating Tata Harper skincare was the formulation and was like the first thing mm-hmm. that I had first took a dive in through many chemists, trying to find chemists that could help me develop new technologies and basically kind of like deconstruct the cosmetic formula because a cosmetic formula is much more than the active ingredients. A lot of people don't realize mm-hmm. they just vitamin C or lavender. And that's all that they think that there is, but no, to create a, 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 you know, a cream, you need a whole bunch of ingredients that are they, that are called like functional ingredients that are there to thicken, Mm -hmm. to stabilize, to emulsify, to preserve, to pH balancers, you know, like there's a lot of ingredients that go into it that have nothing to do with your skin or your wrinkles or your thickness, you know, like the thick skin density or anything like that. They're just there to make the product work and to make the experience amazing. Right. Mm-hmm. And then there's the active ingredient. So we had to like deconstruct the fundamentals of a cosmetic formula and we had to rebuild it, but with all natural raw materials, because I didn't want to have just uh, products that had botanicals, but then they also had synthetics. Like, what was the point? Like, right. there was a lot of that happening. Even like, let's say that it was like 90% natural and 10% synthetic. I just didn't want to go there because, mm-hmm. you know, synthetics were like, it's an easy shortcut. You know, a lot of chemists know how to work with synthetics. That's their expertise. And uh, And there's always, right, like when you can't solve a problem, there's always a synthetic chemical that can help you. But it was really about finding obscure ingredients from all over the world that they existed, but they were not necessarily used for those for skincare applications necessarily. So a lot of like gums from trees from Senegal, waxes from olives, trees from Italy, you know, like really like experimenting. It required a lot of experimentation. And that part was definitely the hardest part. The farm it was, uh, you know, we had the farm and and before we bought the farm, it was um, a dairy farm. So it had a lot of barns that now were empty. And I remember thinking like, wouldn't it be great just to like renovate them, completely overhaul them and create there our labs, our factory, our offices. So the farm was more like real estate, right? Like a place to to have the brand and to be able to create the products. And then because we obviously have a farm and in Vermont, you can grow amazing herbs and flowers. We also, I work with a lot of botanists to figure out what are the herbs and flowers that grow really well in this soil here in Vermont. So we ended up selecting and curating a, a lot of herbs that had benefits for the skin. So we ended up, we, we grow calendula, arnica, meadowsweet, borage, and alfalfa. And with those five herbs, we create uh, an ingredient that is called our farm beauty complex that Mm -hmm. we process at the farm, that we make in our farm. And we make it every month with herbs that we grow in the farm. And it's basically like a, you know, it's a very temperature controlled process that you extract all of the oil soluble nutrition from the herbs and all the flowers and all the Mm -hmm. roots everything that we put in there. But we also mix it with ingredients that come from all over the world because in Vermont, you can't grow a whole bunch of variety of botanicals that are great for the skin. And also we buy a lot of like green biotech that it's made Mm -hmm. in Germany, in Israel, in Madagascar, right? Like from all over the world. And that's kind of like how all the pieces started falling in place is, you know, what made sense for us and what made sense for the brand. But I would think that the part of the farm was probably the least labor
2: intensive
1: out of all.
2: The easiest out of all. That's so interesting. So let's go back a little bit, right? Like first of all, what was the process of even hiring on a chemist? And what was the process of kind of creating your first product? Like did you know the first product that you wanted to create? Like did you know that there was like a specific issue that you wanted to target or you know you wanted to create a cream versus a serum? Like walk me through that whole process.
1: Yeah. So I wanted to create a routine. Like I didn't want to start with just one product. Mm-hmm. I wanted I wanted to create recreate my routine <laughs> basically. <laughs> The product that I was using, but like the natural versions of what I was using. So mm-hmm. I launched with 12, uh, 12 products. and it Wow. Took, oh my goodness. Ta-ta. Yeah, we launched with 12 products. And it took five years with the help with a lot of scientists and chemists that were willing really to experiment that they liked me. They love what I was doing. Or sometimes they were also intellectually curious about how to make it happen. A lot of them were part of creating a beauty product, but they were just really experts in aromatherapy or herbalism, let's say, and, and things like that. And I found them by, um, by doing a lot of research. I would buy books I'm a self-taught person when it comes to the benefits of herbs and flowers. So I read a lot. And then when I found an author that I felt that was really legit and knew what they were talking about, I would contact them or I would fly to meet them. And I would talk about this line that I wanted to create. And they sometimes thought that I was cute. You know, this is so cute, like in a farm, like, oh my God, it's great. Some other people were like, no, we can't help you. So it was a lot of like, reaching out and seeing who were the group of uh, advocates and 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 supporters that really were there for for me to help me develop the know-how. A lot of like green chemists that really know how to, you know, like the new preservatives, the new emulsifiers, how we, we thicken. You know, it was it was really intellectually stimulating for me too. I was learning so much along the way. Like I am not the formulator of Tata Harper Skincare and I don't Claim to be a cosmetic chemist, I am someone that helped orchestrate all these things right and i 've learned a lot through the process i mean I, I have a lot of knowledge on the subject, but I do rely on my team to make a lot of things happen uh, and make the formulas happen so that's how that 's how it all began and i it was n- never about like one specific benefit it was about like a lot of different benefits, and I wanted the line to be as universal as possible. So I wanted an exfoliator that was gentle enough to use every day because we all shed that skin cells. You know, we all wake up with that with that cells on our skin. Mm-hmm. It's part of how the skin regenerates itself. So I wanted to create something that people could use every day. And that's why we created the regenerating cleanser so people could remove the daily, that skin buildup. Then I wanted uh, an essence. Because essences are hydrating products that are also our penetration enhancers and they work really well like under serums and eye creams. Then serums and eye creams are your most important anti-aging products, right? And, you know, the skin ages the same way you know for a lot of people it's like the same processes are happening as part of the natural aging process so i wanted to develop a product that that was really potent so that's where the rejuvenating serum and the restorative eye cream came to play and so on and then i created a couple different moisturizers that were more for different skin types a face oil that was a multivitamin and so on really
2: cool so You have this 12 product line. And I like when when you did launch, I mean, this was before clean beauty became this like very buzzy thing. Tell me about those early days.
1: So, in those early days, clean beauty didn't exist. It was all about being natural, being organic. Obviously, you know, a lot of experts that I had either consulted with or that were, you know, there just to, you know, comment about our strategies or like our, you know, go to market. They thought that luxury skincare clients will never, ever be interested in natural beauty, obviously, because there was nothing in the natural beauty space that really catered to a serious skincare client, right? Like formulas, mm-hmm. were, uh, they were not there technologically speaking, but yeah, clean beauty didn't exist. It was all about being natural and organic and For us, it was also, since the beginning, really important to be certified because there was no particular um, certification for natural beauty other than the USDA organic, which was more catered towards the food industry. So I started working really closely with EcoCert which is a French certification agency that has been regulating cosmetics worldwide for more than 30 years. And it was really important for us that the line had a certification so that clients could know what they were buying. Our whole collection, by the way, certified by EcoCert and in our box, as you can see, that all of the, it certifies that hundred percent of the ingredients are natural, come from natural origin. Also it certifies the organic content. They also certify that our packaging is sustainable. So that was 10 years ago when none of these things were really top of mind. And, you know, with the creation of the line, like I never knew like how successful the line was going to be. I thought like, I'm not, I can't be the only person that it's looking for this for mm-hmm. something it's really efficacious, really potent, really concentrated, that everything comes from nature. And also a luxury line that gives you the opportunity to be sustainable, right? Like that's so rare because the luxury for the longest time has been about access and, you know, the box inside of the box with paper inside of paper inside of a bag. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like so much unnecessary stuff. It, it was uh, kind of like a challenging a lot of status quo, But it was so amazing. And we've never been the type of brand that we're like, oh my God, we are going to be everywhere. And we're just going to like make record sales immediately. It's always been about organic growth because for us, it's never about being the biggest, but about being Mm -hmm. the best is we're a product company. We're, you know, like we're not like a digital agency like, you know, you look at the makeup of a lot of the beauty brands nowadays and a lot of what they are is people in sales and marketing, like, right? Like we we hire people in every capacity from production to accounting to everything, right? To R&D. And it was uh it's been fun. It's been amazing. It's been amazing also seeing how people reacted to the products and seeing so much love come from our community was really inspiring and it kept me going because what we do is complicated it's not mm-hmm. easy not easy from any point of view that you want to see it that the technologies are diff, are difficult to create a formula that feels amazing and that can hold multiple active ingredients. Like it's, let's say Elixir Vitae, our most concentrated serum has 72 active ingredients. Like how do you hold a formula like that together? It's really hard. And then, the line is sustainable, super sustainable, because the products are sustainable, which I believe it's at the core of calling yourself a sustainable company, so it goes beyond the raw materials being natural it goes into how you make them, right? You make them in a farm so that you can lower the carbon footprint. Our packaging has been sustainable and in glass as long as possible and mm-hmm. as as long as we since we launched and and it's more expensive to be sustainable. So they're hard decisions because they have like real cost implications that the client that you know, that end up translating to the client, right? And I know that we uh, all love like, you know, products that cost $29.99 and I hope that I could make them. But unfortunately, yeah. it's really hard to make something that it's really high quality, multiple ingredients, sustainable packaging, And be at that price point, like you're seeing the cost of doing business in a responsible and sustainable way. And uh, sometimes, you know, like we need to wean ourselves off of this idea that we can make like really inexpensive products because at this moment, it's not possible. And I remember like our price points, like since we launched, they've always been on the higher end because the product is a, it's a high quality product.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So Tasha, you know, like at the, beginning of launching a brand, a lot of it is that slow grind. And like you were saying that you were focused on really being the best, not necessarily like the quickest to get there or the biggest, but really just that quality. So I know like at that beginning stage, it's like, ah, like, is it really sticking and, you know, slow grind to get to your customers. So do you remember like a specific moment where you realized that this was actually working? Like, I, I don't know, like maybe you saw it on like a celebrity or like, you know, a, a customer really loved the product. Like, do you have any like memory where you were like, oh my gosh, no, this is actually going to be something.
1: The, the moment that I started, Okay, let's rewind for a second. So when I started the company, I decided because I had been in the lab for so many years, right, and developing mm-hmm. and no one has tried. So I started doing beauty parties. Through a lot of friends in Malibu, and Brentwood, in LA, in Miami, in Paris. And since the moment that I started doing those parties, that it was really about like doing a facial with a lot of like friends and just the effects that the people were having on their skin and their reactions to the products. And they wanted to leave with the products. Like since that moment, I knew. That they were special and that people loved them since that very first moment. And even like one of those parties even led to one of our biggest, our biggest uh, story in Vogue uh, when we launched uh, with like an eight page spread in Vogue. Because one of the ladies that came to our party loved the product so much that they were in touch with someone at Vogue and then they loved the products too. And then after that, I just started, uh, you start, I, we, we developed a website. Like <laughs> remember like a $3,000 website, super basic and minimal, but people started reordering. And I was like, oh my God, this is great. People want these products in their life. They're using them day in and day out. And that's when you know that you have something that people like really love. And then of, of course, like, having celebrities and models that, you know, they have access to everything, the best products in the world, endorsing your products, coming out in magazines and blogs and their social media, talking about the products also made me feel very happy because, you know, it it tells me that they appreciated what we do. And not only that, they were seeing the same or better results from the line that from the synthetic products that they were using. And that was that was key for us.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think like the skincare parties sound really cool. And I mean, a great way to kind of take things out for almost like a test drive. Like it's like the, that's the best kind of focus group as well. I feel like you see the reactions firsthand, which is awesome.
1: Totally. And you know that I kept doing beauty parties, even like just like right before the pandemic, I was flying all over doing events in stores, teaching uh, all the people that showed up to our, to our spa, to our, we, we call them beauty classes in stores, showing mm-hmm. up to our beauty classes, learning about their skin, how to layer, why an eye cream is important. What is a serum, right? Like I, I've always been very passionate about educating clients on uh, on On all of these things that i 've learned through not only my own experiences as a as as a Latin beauty lover but now as a beauty entrepreneur that had a- access to so many scientists and skin biologists and that understand the details behind everything that we do and behind the steps and talking about consistency and you know so many things I love it. I miss it so much to go into stores and do the beauty parties. I met so many wonderful people that are part of our community that are just fans of the line, just clients that love the products. It's, it's really fun. Like I've never been like the CEO that it's in the tower, you know, like, Oh, they're on the high floor of like, I don't know where, like, I love going to stores and being there with my team and going to talk to the Sales associates, like about like what's working, what are they loving, what are clients saying, good and bad, and and constantly getting feedback and correcting things that were not working, all sorts of things.
2: Totally, um, Tata. I want to ask you at the beginning stages of. Your brand, do you remember any like funny or crazy stories that you kind of did to get your brand noticed or like get the attention of customers? like do you have any like fun anecdotes at all?
1: Nothing really crazy to be honest with you. nothing that I would be like, "Oh my God, this was so crazy. I think that what's really unique is just like how personal and how uh, relatable and approachable I've always been as a beauty entrepreneur to my community and to mm-hmm. the people that love the brand, uh, either by doing appearances or by doing classes or by speaking to them about like their skincare recommendations. There hasn't been anything like really out of this world, funny, (laughs) uh, or crazy, uh, honestly, like, no, no, but you
2: know what, like that personal touch is so important. And, you know, I've, I've seen it time and time again with successful brands as well. And even, you know, when like, it's been really our ethos as we've grown Array as well, which is, you know, for us to kind of present a really human brand. And like, I remember early days, my husband, who's my co-founder, he would, drive um, on his motorcycle to deliver orders. Right. So it's really interesting to hear from other founders, especially who've like been around for so long that like, you know, that personalization component is so important.
1: Yeah. But there's a, like, there's a human behind. I, when I started, there were not a lot of, um, like uh, women founders, like totally. You know, stood behind their brands. I remember there was Josie, there might've been Sunday, uh, Riley, but there were mm-hmm. not a lot of like women founders in beauty. It was kind of like always like just brands. And and I think that people do crave like that human connection and that human Touch and that there is a real person behind this. This is not like a venture capital fund or like just like this uh, men in black, you know, in this like board meeting creating this product for us. But there is actually like a mission behind it, and there is a real stories behind it and a real effort to create something different and something new and something that it's completely different because. I remember when I started, everybody thought that this was going to fail, right? They mm-hmm. were like, prepare for the worst because not only are clients not prepared for what you're doing or interested in what you're doing, but I don't think that this is possible. I don't think that no one cares. And it's nice to feel that people do care that it, it, this is important. And, uh, and you know, we, we are a byproduct of the wellness movement. Like if the wellness mm-hmm. wasn't here and around which is not a trend, by the way, it's really a movement that it's all about elevating your quality of life. Like we wouldn't exist. It was, it was really nice seeing that support that I, that I've received from the beginning, not only from my clients, but from like the beauty community, from beauty editors. I've been always very grateful.
2: Very cool. So right now, um, like 2021, there's definitely a rise in interest in clean beauty and there's like a lot of brands that are clean as well but there's also a lot of confusion around what clean beauty really means and i know that we touched on it a little bit earlier on when you said that there was some greenwashing going on as well so define what your standard of clean beauty is
1: yeah so for us clean beauty means zero tolerance for synthetic chemicals like we don't use any anything that it's synthetic Everything that we uh, add into our products come from the earth. And also clean beauty has uh, a halo on sustainability, right? Like it's also expected that the brand, that there are some aspects of it that it's going to be sustainable. So for us, we are also a true sustainable product and we're a true sustainable company because every decision in our company, it's always taken through the lens of sustainability. Like I don't believe that our clients expect that with buying our products and with the creation of our products, they're going to be contributing to creating more trash in the Mm -hmm. world. And that has always been at the forefront of my mind and me and my team every time that we make any decisions. So that's what for us clean beauty means. And I know that I'm with you. It's really confusing. I mean, it was confusing, like the natural and organic back then, but I feel that now with the rise of clean beauty, it's even like another level of um, of confusion for the clients. It's great in the sense that clean beauty means that companies are staying away from controversial chemicals, companies are making an effort, companies are becoming more sustainable, and we all win from those efforts, right? We all yeah. win collectively as People are more conscious of their decisions and what they're producing. I think that that is great. But then on the other side of the equation, from a consumer standpoint, there has never been more confusion out there than now because every brand has their own definition of clean. And as long as they're making any types of efforts then they're clean. And, and honestly, I believe that the future, everybody will be clean. You know, like they either add like natural ingredients to their formula. They remove some controversial chemicals for some companies that it's like, they're dirty six for other companies. It's just about being paraben free for other mm-hmm. companies it's about, you know, removing SLS for us it's about removing all sorts of synthetic chemicals, nothing like zero. So every brand has their own definition. And when it comes to customers, they're really confused because they might be buying something that they expected to be something that it's not just because there's no real, uh, definition to the term. Uh, and there's so many, Terminology, like, you know, when it comes to clean beauty out there, like vegan, you know, sustainable, cruelty free, like, you know, like, what is that all? You know, like, people are really confused. It's like a lot of people are like, oh my God, I bought this vegan lipstick. It's 100% natural. I'm like, no, vegan only means that it doesn't contain any animal byproducts. You know, like, something that's completely synthetic could be vegan. Uh, totally. A lot of confusion out there. And that's why I feel that now more than ever, being third having a seal and having a third party certifier is the most important thing that you do for your client so mm-hmm. that they know what you really stand for, and then also clients can decipher what the values of those companies are, the importance that they place on all of these different uh aspects of their business so for example, we have like around i don't know like Mm-hmm. more than a dozen seals, including EcoCert in our line. Mm-hmm. So that clients uh, are interested in researching and learning more. They know, oh, this is vegan. Oh, this is EcoCert. So it's 100% natural. Oh my God, I see the XCS seal. So this is, you know, the Forest certified seal mm-hmm. that it tells you that, you know, like the carton that it's used for packaging comes from responsibly managed forests and and so on. And I feel that in this world of clean, that is really the most important thing. It has become like more important than ever uh, to have a third-party certifier because all those, those seals and certifications, by the way, they're all optional. Like I don't need to get any of them. Any. Right. I'm not required to do anything, anything <laughs> to start a, a beauty company. So when you see that a brand goes above and beyond to get them, then you know that they're serious about it because they're expensive are time consuming. Like Ecocert comes to our facility every three months to audit everything. Wow. You know, so they come all the way from France to do this. So it's like we have a whole part of the team that it's dedicated just to dealing with the audits from Ecocert and being mm-hmm. ready for those audits. And, and it's something that we do for our clients, it's not something that we do for us. It's something that we do for, for you guys.
2: That is really, really fascinating. I'm absolutely with you. I think down the line, I think it it hopefully will become a little more mainstream as people want more streamlined definitions of what clean is, like what are the different kinds of categories that they should be looking out for? So it's really interesting that you're leading the way here. I think it's awesome.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much.
2: So, Tata, before we wrap, I want to ask you, what is one beauty tip that you'd pass on to every woman?
1: So many, so many. I think that number one is to not look at beauty as a chore. You know, especially because I, I, I live in the United States and, uh, and, and and here a lot of, you know, my clients, they, they like the really uncomplicated routines. They sometimes describe their beauty routines as like, oh my God, I don't even uh, have time to wash my face, but I just lather like eye cream I, you know, who has time for all of that? It's like, don't see it that way. Don't see mm-hmm. it like you're seeing it the wrong way. Like beauty is something that it's there not only to make your skin look great, it's also there to make you feel good, to support you. Like, I don't know. I I go into my bathroom, right? Where I have my vanity. And I I go in with a certain mindset, right? Of the whole day, stress, complicated meetings, difficult decisions that you need to make. And I sit down in my vanity and there's like this transformative effect of Mm -hmm. that routine that has on like my emotions and, you know, and me in a really deeper level that I leave the bathroom feeling like another person. So it's like, just change your mindset. Like, don't look at it as a chore or something annoying that you don't have time for. It's something that you do to prioritize yourself and to make yourself not only look good, but also feel good. And then the other thing is consistency. Consistency is everything in skincare, like to be consistent with your morning routine, with your night routine, to layer products properly. I think that that is really important because then you don't get results. If you're inconsistent. You don't get results because even as we do a lot of like our um, clinical trials and you evaluate a lot of clinicals, like you see the results when people use them every 12 hours, every day, Mm -hmm. every 12 hours. It's not about like using them every every other day or using them in the weekend. It's about like that consistency, what creates the cumulative effects, especially for your most important anti-aging products like your serum and your eye cream.
2: Yeah, both are, like, both are incredibly important, I think. Like what you're saying, super important.
1: Super important. And then the last thing that I just want to mention is that in this world that we live in now where a lot of people's routines are like hero products of many different lines, like really take a closer look at what you're using so that you don't end up overdoing it in certain aspects because it's like people now are using so many different products from so many different lines in an effort to make their skin better, but they might actually not be making it better because they might be quadrupling on acids or using more or over exfoliating or really overdoing it. Like really, like if you love a product and you're seeing results from it, explore the other products in that line and really try to create a routine with those products because that's how you create, you know, they're part of a a philosophy then they're part of a a way of treating the skin that might not necessarily be complementary to other what other brands consider as the way to take care of the skin.
2: You're actually not the first person to say this. In fact, like I think I've I've now heard this from like three different professionals and it's not just like brand founders but like actual like professionals who kind of echoed the same sentiment that like you you don't want to do too much for your skin accidentally, right? Like you, you hear about a lot of people having like a bad reaction, and it's almost because your skin needs to detox from the hundred products that it's using.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I feel that it's behind the rise of a lot of like the reactive skin that we're seeing nowadays, uh, that a lot of people are experiencing, is because they They might not know exactly, you know, what is contributing to that, and it might be like
2: self-induced. Totally, totally. Yeah, it's it's really fascinating, Tata. Thank you for being here. Tell everyone where they can find you.
1: (laughs) Thank you for inviting me. It's been so fun talking to you. You can find us in Canada at Holt Renfrew, in Sephora, Detox Market, Nordstrom, Saks, G Beauty.
2: And what about social? Like, tell us all your social media handles. Where can people follow you guys?
1: Yeah, Tata Harper Skincare. That's where you follow us.
2: Awesome. Thank you so much, Tata. This was so fun.
1: Thank you for inviting me. Sending
0: you a big, big kiss and a happy summer. Thank you so much for listening. If you loved the episode and feel like it brought you value, don't forget to rate the show and leave a review. It takes five seconds and really helps the show grow so I can keep bringing on awesome guests. If you want to follow me behind the scenes, you can find me on Instagram at SifHider. And don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss a thing. I drop new episodes every Tuesday, so come hang with me and shoot the shit with some really smart people, learn and unlearn, and have a lot of fun. See you next week.